You're listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. This is a podcast where people from around the world let me know what they'd like to see less and more of in character depictions similar to themselves. Something that's important for this podcast is to empower each guest by allowing them to introduce themselves in the way that they see fit. So without further ado, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? I can, Paige. How are you doing? My name is Sean Greenley. I am a DEI consultant and I live in Seattle, Washington. I would just consider myself a Northwest native, although I have had the opportunity to live and travel abroad extensively. I you know, went to school down in California and then I was in the Navy and I lived uh, in the Navy for 10 years. So I lived in Italy for four years and Japan and all over the United States and Florida. And then afterwards, while, you know, with Target, I lived throughout the United States. So I am a, as it relates to this uh, podcast, I'm biracial. My dad is black. My mom is white. I grew up in a small, predominantly white community. When I say predominantly white community, I would equate that to 99.9% where I present white, but had the perspective of both the African-American background and the Caucasian background. Between your personal identities and all the different places you've lived and experienced life, I can only imagine how that would shape your perspective of the world and really how broad your perspective would be. In terms of the podcast and media representation, is there a specific form of media that you would like to focus on? Um, Not particular. I could go either, either direction. I think the most in my face is just the visual media, TV and movies. So in terms of film and television, growing up, did you see yourself, people like yourself, in the stories that you had access to? And if so, do you remember how it felt seeing those characters or the absence of those characters? Growing up and watching movies and TVs, a lot of the sitcoms in the 70s and the 80s, predominantly in the 80s, which were more influential as I was in my teenage years, I would say that, you know, the a lot of the, the film, that's when you started to have some sitcoms that would represent like African-American culture, but they were very stereotypical to me. And, you know, it was uh, one in which, you know, I, you know, personally kind of like kind of fell in between. So I didn't, I re- I understood both sides, but I didn't directly feel like I related or I belonged to either community. So it's that othering element. So I'd say a lot of the, the TV shows, when you're looking at the characters and the families, like the Cosby show or the Jeffersons, it was like, okay, great. And it was almost like from a perspective that I had is that the you know, the the outside community was making a mockery of some of the stereotypical elements of, you know, Black culture. So you've spoken about how you personally felt seeing those characters in that media. Do you feel that the way people behaved towards you or the way people engaged with you was influenced at all by that same media? I would say absolutely. It was hard because I think there's still a lot, even to this day, that I'm still unpacking and kind of understanding how I fit into life and community. Because the white people growing up, I never really felt like I tried to identify one way or the other. I tried to identify as, you know, as being a good kid, you know, and I, and I felt more into the Caucasian. And there were only a few, there were a few incidents where I felt racism coming in my direction. And I just kind of brushed it off because, you know, my parents never really, being a product of it, they never really 
focused or pushed the realities of it to my face. It's almost as if they wanted to protect us growing up because, you know, they were, you know, they grew up and they got married five weeks before the loving decision in which federally it became legalized for interracial marriage. So they just didn't want to subject us to that. And that's why they moved us into this bubble community, if you will. So I think that whenever incidents of like racism were kind of in my face, I never really kind of absorbed it and processed it. So I would say that definitely, I mean, there's there's definitely the stereotypes that the greater community would continue to engage in, such as, you know, the movies like Soul Man, you know, where where they would, you know, people would dress up and put shoe polish on their face and wear the big, the big Afro wig to Halloween parties. And I just like never really, it's like I wasn't like funny, funny, haha. But at the same time, I never really kind of took angst towards it because I internalized a lot of that. Do you feel that there has been much change in the way media depicts these sorts of characters? So perhaps thinking through the 90s and the 2010s and then more recently, have you noticed a gradual change or sudden? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. Definitely has been change because of, you know, the, a lot of the people who are like more hypersensitive to it and aware of it and come out and speak ill against it when they see examples of it. You know, you'd like to think, and I know that's the case, that a lot of the producers are sensitive as to the stereotypes that they um, portray, but it still is out there. And that's, that's the reality where you might not see it as much and we're much more like politically correct in the mainstream media. I believe that there still are a lot of subtleties and I know that the, you know, the culture and the population are still engaging in such activities. And you see, you see or hear examples of it all the time, you know, like not to use uh, pull the example of the, the bachelor and the bachelorette, you know, but, you know, they have one of the contestants who was, you know, part of a uh, party that, that she engaged in down in the South that was definitely very racist about the life on the plantation. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the college students are still hosting these parties. That being said too, it's like whether, whether it be on the media or other forms of media, the social media, which is bringing a lot of those atrocities still to light. Absolutely. You mentioned people being hypersensitive to these elements now. Do you feel that there is a difference between passively taking in this messaging versus you're still watching this, but you're aware of it? versus just trying to avoid that messaging completely? Now, when I say, you know, hypersensitive, I should caveat that and hypersensitive in a good way, in that right now, there are communities and people who represent the outgroup or the minority demographic or population are more empowered to speak out, to speak their truths, which is, which is great. And that's amazing. There's a lot less kind of pressure that's been put on by the majority groups to stay quiet and just to ignore it. And that's just the way it is. So suck it up and deal with it. And that's a great thing. And that's what's so positive about the change in our communities these days is that, you know, it's like, hey, no, you're wrong. Just because I'm in a quote unquote minority group doesn't mean that my, you know, that my culture, my lifestyle is is wrong you know, or I should be afraid of that, you know, or I should be embarrassed about that. So from that standpoint, you know, it's like they better be more careful as to what they put out and what they portray in media, because your audience and your population is not the 
traditional white middle-aged majority, you know, and they're, they're, they're not going to be the ones who are dependent upon who you're going to be getting your, your sales revenue from. You're getting your sales revenue from a lot broader of a population and rightfully so. And you need to make sure that you're catering to and respecting all communities. Most people in a position of power in the entertainment industry still seem to be within a very narrow demographic. Something that I see with some of these people is becoming fearful of reinforcing these negative depictions and just swinging in completely the other direction and just being like, well, we'll just avoid those identities in in our shows. Obviously, that sort of erasure is also an issue. Are there any any ways that we can help those people to instead of just telling the negative stories or not telling those stories to create better stories and to really be inclusive? Yeah, I mean, I would say acts or products that such as you're providing consulting services on demystifying what these other communities are all about and what is beneath the surface. Because the reason why they haven't been eloquently portrayed is just out of fear and a fear and uncertainty in themselves of knowing how to best present. The more that people, communities like us are able to kind of to educate and to be able to share the kind of give people a broader understanding of the unknown, the better off they will be and they'll be more comfortable and they'll know that, you know, representation matters. The more they're able to present success stories and characters and what the true authentic, you know, component of cultures and identities bring to the table, then, you know, and we help them understand that and how to do it then it's actually, I mean, it's inclusion, it's a strategic driver. It's actually good for business because business and revenues, because the more that the communities see themselves reflected in the product that they're looking to consume, the better off they'll they'll be because they'll want to invest in it. They'll want to embrace, embrace it. It'll build their brand, their brand awareness. So it's more of a, again, it's like, yes, it's the, the upper 1% or the small elite who hold a lot of the power. But the more future state that we're able to help them to understand the value of inclusion and diversity and what it is, again, to make it not as much of a fear factor, then it will help line their bottom line dollars anyway. So, In terms of consultation, do you have any ideas about the best way to go about that, to seek out individuals yeah. or organizations to consult with I mean, seeking out and I mean, intentionally being intentional. If, if, if you have an opportunity to help to, to fill a cultural gap within a film, you know, if it's say West Side Story, you know, you would want to go in and understand and spend time, not just here, not just read about it intellectually about the, you know, the, the Latino culture, but going into the culture and learning about experiences. And that's where the value just even as we go back to like, from my perspective, it's like, you know, knowing about like the Italian culture was different than actually going and living within it, inside of it, and going to attending cultural events, attending festivities and festivals, and, you know, going to soccer games, the World Cup soccer games, 
with Italian friends, you hear, I mean, you, you learn a different, you, you feel a different element about what the culture and what the people are all about and stand through it. So it's more of like an immersive, I'd say like it's an immersive, immersive culture consulting opportunity and cultural engagement that should take place for you to truly know how to write the, write the story authentically. I had the pleasure of interviewing a director who spoke about using that approach of immersion, sharing meals with the real people that they were looking to depict on on camera. And that I feel is so important. Separate to that is also the possibility of including some of these people more in the creative process. So co-writers perhaps... Do you have any thoughts around people in front of and behind the camera, how we can improve, I guess, with getting with getting more involvement and more professional involvement with the people whose stories are actually being told? Yeah, I mean, that, and that's a great part. That's a great point. And I can just riff off that as as an example. It's like getting getting people, getting these cultures involved in the creative process. And really like stepping back and think, it's like, these are the characters that I'm looking to develop. And I'll use me for an example. You know, if there's a character who's biracial, whether it's intentional or not, but that's what you're writing them in as someone's biracial, having someone in the writing process who ended like asking questions and understanding what was it like for you growing up? I mean, just a little perspective is like, you know, for me, I'd be able to share. It's like, well, I never really felt necessarily comfortable or belonging in either 100%. I always felt that I was not white enough. I always felt that I was not black enough when I went to when I went off to college and tried to try to connect with, you know, connect with peers and colleagues who were in the black student union. I was not black enough. So I didn't really feel comfortable hanging out and sharing my story. And to be able to kind of to to infuse like a perspective of mine in the writing process and you know, kind of is kind of play out the fact that there's like a lot of inherent, you know, anxieties in in somebody of that character. There's a lot of like consistent imposter syndrome, which kind of you know translates into other areas in your academic life where you don't feel like you belong. So that's a that's a really good way to make sure that that projects itself through the messaging. Are there any specific characters or shows that you can think of, film or film or television, currently that explore these themes or that really are a more accurate depiction? Or do we still have a little bit of work to do to to include that? Um, so it's pretty funny. Um, my wife just actually started getting me to watch a show that I had kind of resisted for a while. This is us, and it's uh really encompasses a lot of interracial components of it, adopted child, African-American child into a white community, and some of those components of how where he felt, you know, othered or belonging even within his own family. I've really felt that that show does a good job on addressing a lot of those pieces, just the how to assimilate different cultures into one with the goal as being in one family, but then it's not as easy as you would like to think it should be or could be. And obviously there are a lot of other different, you know, things that could be explored in different relationships and intermixing ethnicities and abilities and characteristics. Something that I've noticed in some media is diverse characters will be used for a specific 
plot point or create to create a specific tension situation. I'm keen to know if you have any opinions about the difference between having a character who has some sort of diverse identity, just having a a character like that who's just going through their life versus that person's diversity is really used as a plot point or to to create tension. Do you have any thoughts about the the difference there between just including diverse characters and having an authentic representation versus using them as tools in the storytelling process? That's a, I mean that's a really good question. I think they both have their place. I mean, authentically portraying to kind of present from an educational standpoint of what it's like to be you know, Asian American in the, in today's community environment, for example, and at the same time, pulling or identifying ethnic struggles as a way to generate conversation and to kind of as shock factor, if you will, to be able to kind of raise issues that are latently there, but they're often not addressed. So, or aware of the impact that it may have on those communities or how other communities truly feel or truly react to it, but don't acknowledge it on the surface, which, you know, which still leads to, I mean, there's still the, you know, the racism may still be there it's not as off obvious, but it still is there. Are there any final words or a take-home that you'd like to share with the audience, particularly if they want to include a biracial character in their story? I would just say, I mean, including a biracial character, including any character in their story, is that if you don't have an intimate or a firsthand understanding, go out there and seek it um, and acknowledge the fact that you don't have the same lived experience of that other race or demographic, fill in the blank. But in order to really try to understand is open yourself up and do more listening and really seek to kind of understand perspective through another lens. and insert yourself into that community, if you will, so that you gain that that more understanding. Thank you so much for being on this podcast, for offering or for accepting my request. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) To to share your expertise and, and your personal experience. It's been fantastic hearing from you. So thank you. Yeah, no, I've really appreciated the opportunity to get to know you and to meet you and for you to kind of bring my perspective into into your life. It's been a very fortuitous opportunity. So thank you. You've been listening to Listen More with Paige Crystal Wilcox. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, head to my website, pagecrystalwilcox.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.